Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, and thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, as mentioned, and right alongside, of course, is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing fine. Welcome back. We were just talking about that before we went live. Uh, You've been off for a couple of weeks doing some wonderful things. Uh, Catch us up. What's been going on? Well, I was in uh, Orlando at Shingle Creek at the LPGA National Summit and at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, of which I was not a part of, but I saw two wonderful women get inducted into the Hall of Fame who are very well-deserving. And we had about 150 LPGA professionals and partners, and we learned all kinds of good things so we can take our students to the next level. It was great. Very and then good. I did a boot camp. Then I did a boot camp. I had, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, some women that I, I don't to know. be abused a little bit and learn how to get better. We had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you. I don't know how you managed to squeeze all of that in, but you're you're the best, Cindy Miller. Uh, let me tell you, you managed to get a lot of work done in in uh, in a short period of time. Um, but it's glad to have you back here joining me on air. All right, as most of you uh, that tuned in last week, of course, we were going to have. A uh, uh, very special guest, Mike Nichols, uh, the Chief Business Officer for the Symmetra Tour. Uh, regrettably, he was uh, uh, not able to join us, but uh, managed to get us a fill-in, Dean Schneider, uh, who was uh, a great guest. Uh, but Mike has very graciously agreed to come back this week, and we're going to do a season wrap-up, if you will, of the Symmetra Tour and talk about uh, maybe some things happening for the 2020 season as well. So, uh, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest, Mike Nichols. Good it's morning. good to uh it's good to be uh, thank you it's good to uh good to be here sorry uh sorry couldn't make it last uh, week and hope hopefully it's worth the wait <laughs> always worth it always worth it mike we appreciate it very much um so let's let's start off with just uh if you don't mind maybe a look back to this season here kind of give us if you wouldn't mind maybe just a little bit of an over uh, assessment, if you an overall assessment of the 2019 season. Sure, and you know, for your listeners who may not necessarily be attuned to exactly the Symmetra Tour and how it works, um, just give a little bit of background on the tour itself. So, uh, a lot of folks are familiar with the Men's Corn Ferry Tour, what used to be the Web.com Tour. So, the Symmetra Tour is the LPGA's equivalent to uh, what takes place over on the men's side there. But we're a little bit different in that. The top 10 players from the season money list graduate directly on to uh, the LPGA Tour. The uh, Over there on the web.com tour, excuse me, Corn Ferry Tour now, they kind of have a playoffs and they kind of jumble the, the top players up and they got to sort of reseed themselves. I'm admittedly not familiar with exactly how it goes, but it, it's very clear, uh, clean for us where the top 10 
will graduate onto the uh, onto the LPGA Tour the following year. So uh, this past season, we played um, 23 times for a record uh, $4 million in prize money. The first time we passed the, the $4 million threshold um, in, in the history of the tour. And uh, we played in 14 different states. And, um, you know, I think once again, we, we've had uh, – we have a good graduating class. You obviously don't know how they're going to perform at the next level until they get there. But uh, in terms of our recent graduating classes, we've had a lot of success where um, of the sort of the 10 players that we've graduated the last couple of years, nine have managed to uh, maintain their LPGA Tour status, which is you know pretty impressive when you sort of look at the caliber of talent that they're playing against when they arrive on that level. So uh, recent graduates are having uh, a lot of success, and uh, so we're – we're excited for sort of the successes of our some of our recent graduates, as well as the the class that will be graduating onto the tour next year. Yeah, definitely um, some great uh, young ladies coming up uh, through the Symmetra Tour ranks, and uh, of course, Cindy and I had the pleasure of interviewing many of them throughout the the season. Of course, the winners, and then uh, wrapped up with many of the uh, the Volvic Race for the Card winners as the season ended. So we we definitely had. We'll talk about one particular that I want to uh, get to a little bit later on, but let me just ask you one other question. And Cindy, I'm going to throw over to you for uh, some questions for Mike as well. Um, you, you mentioned that you had 23 tour events this season uh, on the Symmetra tour, and you actually had a pretty long stretch at one point. I believe it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, seven or eight tournaments that were back to back. So it made for uh, a very tough season. I'm sure for some, did you get any feedback from the players about the schedule? Did some of them say that, you know, Hey boy, that's a, a, a lot of, uh, events back to back like that, or what was the overall uh, response? I, yeah, I'm not sure. I heard it as much from the players as the staff. <laughs> it's it's one of those where you know, in an, ide- in an ideal world, we play you know three weeks on and take one week off, and three weeks on and take one week off. So you, that's kind of the way you set up the schedule or try to make some semblance of that, you know, without necessarily being that. Uh, Specific, but then all of a sudden, let's say you set it up for three weeks on and one week off, and then you know a new tournament opportunity comes, and it fits the geographic schedule of being between two of those three-week blocks, and you you slide it in because it seems logical, and next thing you know, you have seven weeks in a row. So you know it, it can happen right. and sort of sneak up on you very quickly. But we sort of look at it from a couple of ways. Is one, when you get to the LPGA Tour, there are stretches where you'll play se- or you'll have the opportunity to play seven weeks in a row, and you've got to learn how to balance you know, how, what is my body doing? How do I feel? I can't afford to play all of these weeks. Cindy is a, you know, former tour player can speak to this better than I, but you know, you just have to learn the cadence of what your body can do. And so that's part of it, you know, is learning how to say, okay, within these seven weeks, I'm going to play three, one, and I'm going to take one week off while other people are playing. And I'm going to have to sort of learn with the, learn how to deal with the mental, whatever of people passing you on the money list while you're resting because that's better for you and you'll play better over the course of the next three weeks so there's that but within that again if so if players are almost forced at some level to take a week or two off to uh, recuperate and rest it provides opportunities for other players who might not be getting into field so you know that's that's good for us that players do choose to take off because now there's players who are getting into those tournaments who might not be getting in at other parts of the year and maybe by virtue of getting into that event and playing well they can reshuffle themselves in so um you know i think it's uh you know would players would it be easier for the players if we just scheduled this cadence of three on and one off the whole season without question because they don't then have to make any tough decisions right they just play three on and take take one week off 
which is about what players like to do. So I'm not saying I, I would love to tell you that I'm doing it intentionally to teach them <laughs> how to do this, but it, it just sort of happens, you know, it just sort of happens through osmosis. Right. And whenever somebody comes on with a new tournament opportunity, that's for a big purse and a good opportunity for the players, you, you know, you slide it into the schedule and then hope next year that you can sort of adjust the geography or do, do some things to, uh, to make it better. So it's, it's kind of like every schedule is a little bit of a work in progress where you, you kind of have, we have the pretty good framework of a geographic flow. And then sometimes a new tournament comes on that doesn't quite fit, but you kind of work around it knowing that that'll buy you a year to sort of re, you know, recalibrate the schedule. So it does work better for everybody, including the staff, like I said. Yeah. Mike, no, And it makes perfect. Yeah. Go ahead, Cindy. Um, I remember, well, when I played, we had between 35 and 40 tournaments a year. So you had to make those choices and being, you know, bottom girl on the totem pole, I was glad to have the opportunity to get in the events, although I was fully exempt at that point. The catch, though, is that there have been seasons on the tour where we didn't have that many events. So it's kudos to you and Mike Wan and the whole staff for creating the opportunities, which is what your job is, to create economic opportunities for women to make a living playing and teaching the game of golf. So kudos to you for creating so many events so that they have to be big girls and make decisions and, and learn how to, you know, make a schedule so they don't get worn out and, and are able to play well the whole year. Well, yeah. Thank you. It's, I mean, it, like I said, I, w- I wish it was intentional, but as you said, we're always out there looking for the next new opportunity and, um, but, you know, that is part of what they have to learn to do um, playing. Because, you know, you'll have a bunch of players. There are certain players like, you know, Brooke Henderson, I believe, plays every event. You know, I, nobody knows how she does it, but I, that she just manages to do it. But she's obviously one of the younger players. But there will probably come to a time where, you know, she starts realizing that she might play better overall if she took a week off. But right now she's able to do it. But other players, you know, mentally aren't be able to keep it on for – you know, three and four weeks at a time. I can't keep it up to get men- together mentally for nine holes. So, I mean, I can't imagine doing it, you know, for, you know, 72 holes for four weeks in a row. That's for sure. So let me ask you this. Um, what if someone was interested in being a corporate partner or sponsoring a Symmetra tour event or a, an LPGA tour event or possibly even a Legends tour event what would be the first step they would need to take? It's really just uh, it's really just contacting us, and, and the thing that we've had to do on the LPGA is uh, I would say we have to uh, work a little bit harder for our for our kills, so to speak. And so um, we we don't sort of start into any sort of preconceived notion with our sponsors. We don't sort of say, oh, let's you know shove them into this or shove them into that opportunity. The um, a lot of it's just sitting down with the sponsor and listening to what they want to do. I mean, there's been situations where a sponsor has walked through the door and said, Hey, we really want this. And, you know, like we want, really want to do this tournament. And we say, okay, well, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to get out of it? And they explain sort of what do they want to get out of it? And we say, you know, it sounds like what would be better than a tournament might be a, you know, LPGA.com advertising package, or rather than, you know, spending the big money for an LPGA tournament, maybe you do a Symmetra Tour event, but you use some of the additional money to, you know, do a little TV package on the Golf Channel or whatever the case might be. So, you know, I would just encourage anybody who's interested in um, 
doing anything with the LPGA to just contact us. My, myself, I, you know, I'm in charge of the Symmetra Tour, but sell LPGA assets. As you know, I've worked uh, some opportunities for the Legends Tour into uh, some of our work. And so um, we're really, um, we've tried, to, as well as girls golf and things of that nature. So the one thing that we've really tried to do um, in recent years is become a little bit more holistic in our, our sales approach. So maybe there isn't, as you mentioned, opportunities with the TNCP. Um, bringing out maybe some of our uh, members to events to help with coaching and things of that nature. So there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a really a lot of different ways that we can help corporations depending on the size of their budgets and what they're trying to achieve. It's um, like I said, I, the people have come to us and said, I want to do a Symmetra tour event. And I'd say, well, that's not maybe necessarily best for what you want to do based on what you're telling me. And we'll present other options. So, um, you know, just, just pick up the phone, contact us and, uh, we're not going to try to pigeonhole into something that we want to sell because we want the, the partners to be around with us for a long time. And uh, that's what really helps, you know, you're talking about building out the schedule. When I, when I started with the Symmetra tour, the, the first, so my first um, full year was 20, uh, excuse me. So my first sort of half year was 2012. And we went through a situation where we, um, we add, it was something like we added five events, which you would think normally would be amazing, but we lost six. So, like, we, you know, we went from a situation where, if, like, if you lose five tournaments and you don't go up, you have sort of a fundamental problem. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I know how this, you know, I know how this story ends if we don't sort of shore up our, our business. So, you know, that, that first, that half year I spent making sure that the 15 tournaments that we had, that they all stayed with us. So the following year you know, we had, um, you know, we were able to grow from there. So uh, we've been able to build Mike on the LPGA side and then myself on the Symmetra Tour side. The way we've been able to build is by uh, making sure that we're taking care of the partners that we have. We're putting them in a position where the assets and whatever we uh, pro provide them with is something that works for them. And now you can, you know, you can not worry so much about the fact that maybe you sold them something that was in our best interest and maybe not in their best interest. That's great. Ted? Let me ask you just a, a, a sort of a follow-up to that, um, Mike, if you don't mind. Um, obviously, besides the financial um, involvement that a sponsor has, what other, uh, I guess, aspects of the sponsorship, what else does the sponsor do uh, as far as uh, their involvement in a, in a tournament? Yeah, so, I mean, like one of the ones that we um, put together last year, I'll, I'll use as an example, um, Zimmer Biomed. So they're a company that uh, came on board last uh, year as an official sort of, they uh, make replacement hips, replacement knees, and um, they came to us about uh, an opportunity to, to work on a tournament. And as we kind of dove into what they were looking to do, they were talking about, uh, you know, how they would like to have maybe a player endorsement as, you know, like we want to do a tournament, but we also think we want a player endorsement and, and all of this kind of thing. And um, we said, well, here, here's sort of the problem, whether you're Symmetra tour or LPGA tour, that our players really aren't having knee and hip replacements. Like there's no sort of natural, you know, player endorsement. Like, Hey, I just got a new knee. Like it just doesn't <laughs> happen, you know, with sort of 25 year old athletes or you, or you certainly hope it doesn't, right. It might happen, right. but but uh, we were able to um, with the old farts. <laughs> right. Well, that's you know. So I, I you know, old farts is your term, not mine. But um, <laughs> but the um, uh, but we were able to um, partner with um, Nancy Lopez, who was going through a knee replacement, and so 
what we did was we put together a package with um, Nancy where um, Zimmer Biomet uh, did her knee. So she has a Zimmer Biomet knee. And we also did the, the uh, Zimmer Biomet did the, the teaching, the lesson zone that we have out at uh, about a half a dozen tournaments. You know, um, they've done some sponsorship of volunteer tents and things like that because they were looking and saying, look, we, we understand sort of the demographic of golfers. Um, that some of the people who might be volunteering for your tents are probably very much in sort of the demographic of people who may be thinking about knee and hip replacement but are too scared and we want to be a part of the education of that. And then they also did a Symmetra Tour event where they could award their employees for, you know, and top producers and, and customers, et cetera, at uh, one of our Symmetra Tour events. So it was, there was like, there as well as some dot-com and, and things like that. So there were about four or five elements to their sponsorship. And when they walked through the door, they said, Hey, we want to do this tournament. And I said, well, I'm not really sure. I know that's what you think you want to do, but I'm not really sure that's what you want to do. And so we actually came to them with this program that, like I said, had four or five different tentacles and it was uh, hugely successful this year. So, you know, that's what we try to do is, you know, listen and lead them to a, And a lot of the things that we put on the table were things they never considered, but you know, they're in the, you know, knee and hip replacement business and we're in the, you know, golf sponsorship activation business. So, you know, they we look for sponsors who can sort of convey to us what, what they're trying to achieve, and we can hopefully put together a little basket of various things that uh, work for them. So that's sort of an example that uh, worked quite well this year. That's great. Very good. Um, so, Mike, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we interviewed um, the winners again this season from Symmetra, and, and you guys have got some – uh, incredible players that have been playing out there this season. What, um, and I know you're busy doing other things, so you don't always get a chance to necessarily watch the tournaments itself, but what impresses you the most about many of the competitors that are coming through Symmetra right now? Well, I think that, you know, just in the time from when I, like I said, my first full year was 2013, so I've been doing this, whatever, seven or so years, and I would say that now there is a lot more consistency uh, in in the performance of our top players. So in the sort of the earlier years, you'd have players who would sort of play hot for three weeks, and then you'd wonder if they were in the tournament because they weren't even in the leaderboard for sort of the next five or six. So it was very – the players were sort of very streaky. And you know, the more and more I look at the leaderboards over the last three and four years, the same players are sort of in that top 20 week after week, which is what you want because that's ultimately what's going to create success on the um, – once the players get to the uh, the LPGA tour is just being on the, being on the leaderboard consist, excuse me, consistently in the hunt and um, not really worrying about making the cut. You don't want, you don't want your players going into um, these tournaments thinking, Oh, I just hope I make the cut to make some money. You want the players in there thinking I can win this golf tournament, the sort of the, you know, shoot for the moon and maybe you'll, you'll land amongst the stars. But um just seeing those same sort of, you know, 25 players just always there in the hunt week after week. And it's made for, you know, it's made a pretty uh, incredible sort of race to at the end there with the Volvic race for the card and, and naming the top 10. So just the consistency amongst the top players. And what that does is it obviously shows how strong the competition is and is that you, you have to be consistently good to finish in that top 10. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was interesting too, Mike, this, this season, we had a lot of first time winners, um, obviously coming through 
And uh, I think what was particularly interesting, and Cindy, you may recall this, uh, a number of the players that, you know, were really going through, uh, and I hate to use this term, but kind of a slump here and there, um, just really struggled with their game. And suddenly they just sort of put that, that fear aside, just said, you know, I'm going to go out and, and start having some fun. I'm just going to really enjoy myself and not put that undue pressure. Uh, and ultimately, you know, either the next week or, or, you know, a few short weeks to follow, they won their first tour event. So they seem to, you know, unload that baggage, if you will, of anxiety of trying to win, it, you know, their first event. Uh, and lo and behold, that's when it came through. And Cindy, I know, you know, as I mentioned, we talked to a number of the ladies this year. What impressed you, Cindy, do you think, uh, with, with many of the players? I believe that, needless to say, they're starting younger and younger. And so many different countries have their own national teams. So players are more prepared and understand the importance of the mental game and nutrition and working out and their golf swing. And everybody's got a team. And, yeah, I mean, none of that happened when I was younger. But the fact that they have, number one, junior golf programs that are amazing and then they all play in college which they get the best of the best and now they have the Symmetra tour where they can really learn how to play score manage themselves you know where do I go how do I do this do I stay in private housing there are so many things that are basically harder than playing golf to learn how to manage themselves so I think the maturity level is up there and depending on the child or the student or the player, um, you know, some of them have all kinds of pressure from outside forces. And once they understand that that is not going to help them, I'll never forget Alejandra Laneza, who's been out there for quite a while and, you know, got mm-hmm. her card and believe played in the in Olympics and she's a great kid. And, and she said to us, and I'll never forget this. She goes, I finally said to myself, I'm going to go back and learn to, enjoy playing golf like I did when I was a little girl when I would go out and play golf all by myself at home and what do you know she won so it's the maturity it's the realizing what's important and I think you know it's it's great that the Symmetra Tour exists because it is a training ground to be on the big stage and that's why nine out of ten players are keeping their card because the Symmetra Tour exists Right, right, and that's a testament to obviously to Mike and and the rest of the crew at uh, at the Symmetra and, and the LPGA that uh, do a fantastic job. And, and Mike, one of the other ladies that uh, I want to bring up um, that really uh, impressed me this season was uh, Julieta Granada from Paraguay. Uh, she obviously made it into the uh, the Volvic uh, Race for the Card uh, group, and um, obviously she also has played for her her home uh, country over the years. Um, and I wanted to find out, because this is something, obviously, there, there's a lot of pride that goes in with that. And obviously, the PGA Tour has, uh, you know, the Ryder Cup and LPGA has the Solheim Cup. Is there a similar opportunity, do you think, or consideration on the Symmetra Tour uh, of having that type of an event uh, at some point, maybe in the future? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, to you know, with, with Julieta being from uh, Paraguay, the, uh, you know, obviously the Solheim Cup doesn't work for um, for that. Obviously, she's, that's, she's not from um, Europe. And um, so we went and created, on the LPGA side, we created this in, uh, the international crown to try to give other countries the opportunity, eight countries, 
the opportunity to, to sort of play and compete on the LPGA level. Obviously, for somebody like Julieta, the challenge is I don't think she has three other compatriots from Paraguay who could sort of qualify as a team from the Rolex rankings. But um, it, it is something that we've um, sort of considered at a very high level, but the, the sort of the, the challenge is, you know, the players turnover. One of, one of the things that makes the Solheim Cup and the international crown such a big deal is that, you know, the players are fairly well-known entities and it's an all-star game. So, you know, being realistic to, okay, it would be cool if we created, let's just say, a Solheim Cup of the, of the Symmetra Tour. But, you know, knowing that people won't necessarily identify with the players right now on the Symmetra Tour because they haven't sort of made a name for themselves, sort of not sure it would have the, the same cachet. So, when we kind of sit back and look at what the what the Symmetra Tour's mission to do is, you know, identify those ten players and and graduate mm-hmm. them onto the LPGA Tour. Uh, it hasn't been sort of a, a focus because it's a little bit off mission. But you know, would it be cool at the end of the season to create some sort of All Star team match made for TV? I mean, we we've talked about it. It just hasn't sort of been a priority. If somebody were to drop it into our lap, would we say yes to it? Probably, but. You know, it's not something that we're actively looking to, you know, check that box. Yeah, and and you're exactly right on your point. You know, it's it's something that um, I think the logistically, you know, there has to be a lot of things uh, sort of fall into place to make it uh, to be successful. Otherwise, you know, it's really not worth uh, pursuing at this point. Um, one other thing I want to ask, um, and then Cindy, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Um, you know, obviously women's golf, is becoming more and more popular, uh, particularly with some of the younger uh, contenders out there and, and obviously playing on uh, tours like Symmetra and ultimately getting out to uh, the LPJ and then obviously down the road, uh, the Legends Tour. Um, but what about the teaching side? Is there a, an opportunity, you think, that Symmetra can play in encouraging some of these girls to make transitions later on in their careers to, to teaching? Or is this something that's really... Um, they have to decide from the get-go is this is what I want to do long-term. Oh, no, 100%. So they're um, – and Cindy can probably speak to this a little bit uh, better than I can, frankly. But one of the things that we've done over the time that I've been at the LPGA, and I say we, I, I really didn't have any part of it, but was to create sort of a faster teaching track for any of the players who want to come from – uh, whether it's the LPGA Tour or Symmetra Tour, and uh, get their LPGA um, teaching and club professional license. Um, and so that we've sort of wanted to facilitate that. The big, I would say the biggest challenge in doing that from a tour standpoint, uh, Symmetra or LPGA Tour, is when players are comfortable having that conversation. Because, you know, when they're out there right now, if you're on the Symmetra Tour, you're trying to get to the LPGA. When you're on the LPGA, you're trying to – stay on the LPGA. And as soon as you sort of admit, Hey, you know, maybe I'm looking at going into teaching or maybe I should go become a college coach. You're probably done, you know, and your competition knows you're probably done because you've already sort of made the mental transition. So it's hard, you know, the the players have to come to that realization on their own. And then when they do come to that realization, it's like, okay, who do they talk to and how do they go about it? Obviously we can quickly facilitate them and say, here's who you need to talk to at the TNCP. But um, it's it, it's a very it's a tough thing. We were talking about it last night uh, at dinner. Sort of the how do how do we play, transition players off of the LPGA or Symmetra Tour into successful careers, whether it's in golf or 
or not in golf. And for a lot of these players who've you know been dreamed of playing professional golf since the time they were maybe ten year old girls, up until they become twenty five or so, it's like okay, well, this is all I dreamed of doing. You know, now what do I do? You know, I you know I went you know for undergraduate economics and I was planning to go to do Wall Street or whatever. So I kind of had like a career path and I sort of followed that career path. Well, for these young ladies, golf, professional golf is their career path. So you get to the point where you're 25 and realize professional golf might not be in the cards for you long term. Transitioning, whether that's into coaching or, or something else, is it's it's not an easy transition to make because it's a complete paradigm shift in everything they've been striving for for the last 15 or 20 years. And like I said, Cindy can you know, Cindy's successfully made that transition, so it's, it's better to speak to it. But we are 100% on board with helping players do that. We have a number of former Symmetra players who are now, you know, head coaches at various programs around the country. So we love it, and uh, we love that um, universities are looking to the Symmetra Tour players as a good uh, building block for their programs in the future. But uh, like I said, Cindy's probably better versed at sort of how a player can make that mental transition. Right. And so Cindy, let my, me just ask you just before, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Cindy. Side note, I would love to be able to create a course with these kids with all the assessments and stuff. I'm certified in behavior motivation, so let's create something to help these kids whether they're ready for it or not. We could call it something that disguises, you know, so they can learn who who am I? What do I really like to do? What am I motivated by? Because we all know not everyone's going to make it. And, and you're absolutely right. Once they start looking out the window, it's like their belief is gone. It's over. So if we could transfer that knowledge and their dreams and, and their wishes and their motivation into something that would help them beyond playing, that would be amazing. I'd love to be involved in that. Excellent. Yeah, Cindy, you know, I guess the thing that, that I'm thinking of in my mind, and I don't know if this is – you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things happening right now, Cindy, but what I'm thinking of is, you know, maybe addressing at a much earlier stage in these young girls' lives so that they understand there are opportunities. Because as you both have pointed out, not everybody's going to make it out on tour, and there's nothing wrong with giving it your best shot. But I'm wondering if there's something in place or if something should be in place that when these young girls first get introduced to golf – if they're given that opportunity to say, hey, you know what, yeah, you can go out and try to be a player, but there's also this opportunity or other opportunities as well. Um, what are your thoughts there, and is there such a beast, if you will, right now available to a lot of young girls? Is that for Cindy? Is that for Cindy? Or... No, Cindy, Cindy, I'm is sorry. It... Yeah, I'm, I thought I oh. – yeah, sorry, Cindy, go ahead. Oh, okay, I thought it was for Mike. So. No, I don't think there is an opportunity, but here's what I believe might be the best way. Once these players become exempt on the tour or they become a member, maybe we onboard them with some of these assessments and maybe a couple of debrief calls for them to be able to become aware of who they are. And the reason I say this is because, you know, so many of the players are shy and quiet. Some are competitive control freaks and you know, you've got a Tiger Woods, you've got a Christina Kim, who's, you know, everybody loves her. You've got, um, I, I just think of my husband, Alan Miller, Ernie Els, Jason Duffner, shy, quiet, sit in the corner. And then you've got the, the nerds that want to know all the numbers, like Bernard Langer. So I think the more they know themselves, the better they will be able to play. You know, my husband, again, it's, you know, it's, it's not like it is it was then, but 
you know, he was afraid to go to pro-am parties because he had to talk to people, you know. And, and so we almost need to help them on board to help them understand what their life is going to be like. And I know you have media training, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that might be the first step in saying, you know, five years after they've played and they're like, okay, I'm done now. Well, remember what you did when you started? Let's go back and look at those results. Rather than, well, now you suck and you have to quit and let's go somewhere else. Maybe if we could, you know, go back to what it started with, that it wouldn't be such a shocker for them. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, you know, giving those opportunities like that right from the get-go and then, again, either way, whether they're pursuing uh, a playing career to start things off, at least, as you said, Cindy, with those assessments um, sort of in their pocket, that's something that they can uh, reflect back on or be uh, directed back on. Um, Mike, let's talk about in the last – Sorry, one more comment. Um, We've done a lot of training with college golf teams, and we trained – Arizona State's team when Azahara Munoz was on the team. And we went down to Scottsdale and, and did these sessions with everybody, and they all learned who they were. And, and, you know, I thought, oh, my God, this girl's amazing, and she's awesome, and she becomes the star. So we go to an event, like, four years later, and I run – and it might have been Rochester. You know, this was a long time ago. And so I go up to her, and I'm like, oh, hi, do you remember me? And, and she's looking at me like, no, who the hell are you? And she turned and looked at Alan, and her face totally lit up. And I'm like, I can't believe you remember him and you don't remember me. Well, that's because they're so much the same. So she absolutely was, you know, comparing herself to him and thought, oh, here's my nice friend, and here's this witch over here, which I thought was really funny. So it's it's amazing what they can learn and how they can get along better. Alan's got some mojo. (laughs) It's got some good mojo. Um, uh, Mike, uh, I wanted to also give you an opportunity to to talk about next season, 2020. Of course, you you guys are all getting ready for that now and have been, I'm sure, uh, as the season uh, went on, uh, because you always have to be sort of ahead of the game. Uh, What can we expect in 2020? Any new events coming up that you can let us uh, in on uh, or or what's going to be happening? Sure. So it looks like, so we've already announced one new event in um, Utah, the Circling Raven Championship, and it's, um, it's actually in uh, Idaho, which will be the furthest northwest we've ever uh, played with the tour, but it's the number one ranked golf course in the, uh, in the uh, state of Idaho. It's at the uh, Coeur d'Alene Casino uh, Hotel Resort. Mm. And uh, I was out there visiting when we went out the, for the media announcement. It is an absolute uh, gem of a golf course. I don't believe the Symmetra Tour has ever played on the number one golf course in any state. So that was a, certainly a nice uh, addition and, and feather in our cap and a nice uh, opportunity for our players. They're going to actually love it there. And then uh, we've got another, looks like about four new events that will be coming on for next year. Uh, and uh, we'll obviously want to announce them in due time, but on their, their timelines, but uh, looking to add a couple uh, events out West um, to help bolster sort of our West coast swing at the early part of the season. And then uh, some other events uh, at other uh, parts of the country that sort of match with the geographic flow of the schedule. So we're looking at probably, you know, four or five new events uh, for next year. And that's kind of what we're focused on between now and the end of the year is uh, solidifying the schedule, but, you know, comfortably we'll be, playing for more than $4 million again, uh, again this year. And, 
you know, uh, it's been a nice little run of being able to add some bigger events. You know, as we, as events go off the schedule and we bring on uh, newer events, they're coming on at bigger purses. And, um, and so that's obviously great for the ladies as well. Yeah. Well said. Um, when do you typically, uh, I mean, I know you're always in that, that mode of, of, you know, developing um, opportunities and things like that. But when typically do you start working on 2020 as an example? So you're in the, uh, 2019 now. Is that pretty much, you know, you're doing both in the same year, kind of getting ready for the new season while still maintaining what you're currently uh, doing? I know that 2019 is over now, but uh, is that typically yeah. how it goes? Yeah, I mean, as soon as we announce the, you know, one year schedule, we're on to the next year's schedule. So we obviously have the team that goes out and is running the events from week to week. So it's kind of one of those where I, you know, am responsible for putting together the schedule and then I sort of hand off the schedule to our operations team and the rules officials and the folks who go about actually doing the everything on a, you know, seven days a week um, type process. So as soon as that happens, we're immediately focused on um, the next year's schedule. But as with anything, these things a lot of times come down to the sort of the, the very last thing. You know, one of the events I'm working on right now is just somebody who, uh, you know, contacted us just a couple of weeks ago. So it's, um, you know, right. it always seems like there's sort of a one or two November surprises where all of a sudden somebody says, hey, what, you know, what do we need to do to get on the schedule? The good news or bad news is when I when I a uh, couple years ago when I started we only had 15 tournaments they could everybody could kind of just pick and choose what they wanted and we didn't really have to worry about a geographic flow because we would just take all comers at that point but now when you have a schedule that'll be play between 23 and 25 times over a sort of a 30 you know low 30s week window there's really not a lot of availability which is obviously the point you want to get to where you you have to say hey let's focus on next year so. Um, it's been, uh, you know, success breeds success as more people see, you know, people coming on board, uh, they want to be uh, evolved with it. You know, we obviously Mike's experienced it on the LPGA side and we've seen it on the Symmetra tour side too, is the, you know, both tours are, um, you know, as we're, as we're grad, as the players that we're graduating are having more success on the LPGA tour, it's, it's bringing more attention to the tour and, and more interest. So, uh, we've been, uh, we've been definitely fortunate with the nice little run these last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. We we've noticed uh, on the tour as well. Just even you know interviewing some of the girls uh, coming up uh, as winners over the last few seasons, we've really noticed uh, a whole uh, new energy, if you will. So it's great to see um, such expansion like that. Um, Cindy, any final thoughts or questions for Mike? No, just thank you for what you do. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Well, it's uh, you know as as I like to say to people, you know, obviously we're in the in the sales business. And I always say, if you know, if you believe in what you're selling, you're not really selling, you're just sort of, you know, telling the story of what it's all about. And so, uh, you know, being a part of the LPGA family is, uh, you know, they've got a lot of passionate people headquartered in Daytona beach who care a lot about, you know, furthering the careers of these ladies. And so, uh, it's nice to go to work every day, you know, believing in, uh, believing in the mission of the organization you work for. So we're, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for what you do. Yeah, Mike, you do a fantastic job, and we thoroughly uh, appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your thoughts and, and giving us updates uh, along uh, through the season. So we uh, obviously invite you back again uh, early next season uh, at the beginning to, to help uh, send things off and then uh, for uh, uh, another wrap-up uh, of 2020. So keep up the great work, and, and thank you for all that you do. And 
thank you for uh, for spending some time this morning here on on the Women of Golf. Well, thank you for having me on, and uh, you know, thank you for help having our players on throughout the season and helping to tell their stories. I mean, it's uh, you know, it all kind of it's like my most hated thing. You know, the saying it takes a village, but it really does. You know, it's like a, the more all of these little touch points that people have to the Symmetra Tour, the LPG Tour, LPG Tour Legends Tour, and these players. Uh, sort of the rising tide lifts all boats. So we appreciate uh, you all playing a, a huge part in uh, helping tell these stories and uh, helping us grow the tours. Well, we're have grateful great for it as well. And, like... Yeah, have a great holiday season, and we look forward to having you back next season. Sounds good. You you too. Uh, Bye-bye. All right, thanks. All right, that was Mike Nichols, the Chief Business Officer of the Symmetra Tour. Uh, sharing uh, a wrap-up of the 2019 season and a little sneak peek into 2020. Um, really, it's just amazing, Cindy, when you think about it, all that goes into putting uh, these tournaments together and, and coordination and, and so forth. And, and I know that uh, you, know, you have a, a great respect for, for uh, people like Mike uh, who do what they do. Absolutely, absolutely. And he obviously has a, a mutual respect for you, for all that you do, which uh, is uh, uh, great as well. All right, before we wrap up, Cindy, just a, a couple of quick things. Um, first off, uh, I know we've got a great promotional spot, so just quickly set that up. We'll play that, and then just a couple of comments uh, after uh, the uh, promo, and uh, then we'll close off. Well, needless to say, the LPGA and the Tour and the Symmetra Tour and the Legends Tour and the LPGA Teacher Division, um, need, they are such a huge proponent and and help people learn to use the game of golf as a business tool. So have a listen. Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or Golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to CindyMillerInc.com. All right, great, uh, great message. Uh, thank you as always, Cindy. Uh, remember to go to CindyMillerInc.com and uh, you can reach out to Cindy there. All of her contact information is available uh, and definitely you want to do that. Um, just a couple of quick program notes. Next week, of course, is, is going to be uh, Thanksgiving, so we will not be doing a show uh, next week, but we will be returning the following week, which we, I believe is December 3rd, uh, for three more shows this season uh, before we wrap up. So there'll be a show uh, December 3rd, 10th, and the 17th will be our final shows uh, for the 2019 season. So uh, we're going to try to go out with a bang, if you will. And then we'll be taking an extended break through Christmas uh, and also the uh, month of January as we prepare for the 2020 season. And our first show back will be, uh, I believe, February 4th in 2020. So we want to uh, take, again, this opportunity to thank Mike Nichols for, for joining us and, and all of uh, Zach Sapanek from the Symmetra Tour who's helped uh, guide the young ladies onto the show uh, as they've won tournaments throughout the 2019 season. Thank you uh, to all the men and women at uh, both the LPGA and the Symmetra Tour uh, for all of the great work that you do and for thanking uh, you for making us a part of your team and allowing us the opportunity to, uh, to bring some uh, well-deserved exposure to these young ladies. And uh, Cindy, as I said uh, many, many times, 
uh, kudos to you for all the work that you do in, in helping to rise and elevate uh, women's golf. So on that note, uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks right here on the Women of Golf Show. God bless everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.